So before giving you what I believe is the connection of all three readings, I, I do want to make one point on that last word. He calls Peter Cephas. Do you know what Cephas means? In the Greek, it means rock. So for all those wonderful non-Catholics who say Jesus was talking about himself when he said, you are Peter and you are the rock upon which I will build my church, they all say Jesus was talking about himself. Well, I don't think he was looking in the mirror. And it's not coincidental that Jesus calls him Cephas, which means rock. You, Peter, are the rock on which I will build my church. But <clears throat> that topic for another time. These three readings I find very powerful, especially for the time that we are in. And I always try to find what is the church's wisdom when they put these three readings together, uh, first reading, the second reading, and the gospel. And I think this one is clear, at least I hope it is, um, to me, and that is a calling by God that we are all called to a vocation, and that vocation requires, depending upon your call, complete and utter chastity for everyone, and certain calls for those who pick consecrated life, celibacy. And we're going to talk about that, I think, right now, because <clears throat> this ties beautifully together. Now, Peter, we know in the scriptures, was married. But who else do we always associate with Peter? Paul. But Paul was celibate. Paul was not married. Now, the tradition of celibacy, another thing that many attack the Catholic Church about, is they say that celibacy only became mandatory in the Latin Church in the 11th century so that they could keep their land and their land wouldn't be inherited. That's, that's very far from the complete truth. Um, actually, by the time of St. Leo the Great in 440, the law of celibacy was pretty much fully recognized in the West, most a thousand years before what we are accused of declaring celibacy. This goes back to the earliest centuries. Paul was celibate. Jesus was celibate. John the Baptist was celibate. Now, what's the difference? Celibate means not married, not engaging in marital, even marital relations. Chastity is called for everybody, which means proper uh, moral actions, which the second reading that we heard from Brother Reuben was about. Now, it is claimed, as I said before, that this was only done by the church uh, for money, false. Um, you know, they say, Protestants all say that it's unbiblical. And they only started claiming it was unbiblical. You know why? Because the three founding Protestant fathers, Zwingli, he ended up getting married in 522. Martin Luther, who was a priest, ended up running away with a nun and got married in 1525. And John Calvin, he ended up deciding to get married in 1539. So all of a sudden then they claimed that celibacy was not biblical. Well, what about Jesus? What about John the Baptist? What about Paul? All right, so clerical celibacy is something that we have to take very seriously. Now for me, uh, it's what delayed my vocation uh, for years. I, I felt God calling me early, but I'm like, I can't do this, Lord. I'm too weak. And finally the Lord put in my heart 
to come. And then the first thing Father Don tells me, I'll never forget this. So I, I really struggled with, Lord, can I remain celibate my whole life? Can I actually go to bed by myself for the rest of my life? And so I'm like, okay, Lord, help me. With your grace, I can do this. And, um, and now I, I don't have the desire uh, to, to be married. I'm married to the church. But the very first thing Father Don told me when he took me to Franciscan, and um, a lot of pretty girls there in the chapel, and he says, um, yeah, he says, um, if you come out of here, you truly have a vocation because there's so many pretty girls. And he says, do you have a problem with, uh, do you have an issue of girls being attracted to you? I said, no. And he says, well, if you become a priest, you will. That, that's a common thing. And I was like, shocked. And so this whole issue of celibacy makes sense uh, to me now. And so anyway, I, I was struggling if I could do, could live this life. And I've, I've told the story before. What really, what really was God speaking to me is one day I had the Bible open on my kitchen table in North Carolina. I had a big, big yellow lab, Rocky, as you've heard me say before. And I remember I was sitting on the couch, I had EWTN on, and I'm, I'm trying to get some paperwork done for the office. And, and all of a sudden, I just broke into prayer, asking, Lord, you got to show me somehow, Lord, that I can live a celibate life. And um, just then, I started putting the food on the table. And of course, Rocky, who ate everything and anything, came up and jumped up, on the uh, jumped up near the table trying to get the food. And the Bible that was open, I had just been praying for God to give me a sign. He knocked the Bible over. And uh, the Bible fell and completely fell face down. And I thought that was very interesting. And so when I picked the Bible up, I kind of made a little prayer. It wasn't a huge prayer, but Lord, you know, what did, you, what did this Bible turn to? And it turned to Matthew 19, 12, that some are eunuchs, because they were born that way. Well, that wasn't me. Others were made that way by men. Castration, that wasn't me. And others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. I broke down in tears. I knew that was God telling me. I knew that's what it was. But you see, even though a priest takes a life of celibacy, it, and that determines his calling. So let's go back to that first reading. What did Brother Alex read? The Lord called him. The Lord called him. Every one of you is being called by the Lord. You will be called to one of three, main three vocations. Marriage, consecrated life, the life as a priest or a brother or a sister, a nun or a monk, you'll be called to that, or the single life, the very much forgotten vocation, which is very important, a very important call. But throughout all, you need chastity. And that's what Brother Reuben just read. Paul said very clearly that we are to have no immorality. Well, Let's look at this. For the single person, they are to be celibate and chaste. For the consecrated religious, they are to be celibate and chaste. Celibate means you're not married, you do not have relations. Chaste is that they're ordered properly. Your sexual 
um, uh, being is ordered properly. Now for uh, married people, people seem to forget not everything goes. You are called to a life of chastity even within marriage. The theology of the body, I know it's a little embarrassing to talk, but John Paul, it was really funny trying to listen to John Paul talk about it because you could tell he was embarrassed, but you know, even within marriage, things like sodomy or things where the, the male finishes otherwhere, anywhere the, other than the female, we can't, that's, that's unchaste. And so there is a call to chastity even within marriage. Now, all three of these readings come together. It made perfect sense to me. The first reading, we are called. The Lord is calling you to either single life, marriage, or consecrated life. The second reading, you are not to be immoral. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are called to be chaste in all three of those vocations. And then the third, the gospel passage, talks about Peter, we know about his mother-in-law, talks about John the Baptist. John was standing, and two of his disciples, he said, behold the Lamb of God. John was celibate. John was celibate. And so to me, this all tied together. Now, the sacrifice of marriage, as I just read, in Matthew is, the, is really for the sake of the kingdom, which is why priests give up family. Uh, we are called father because we now have many spiritual children. Um, so it's a gift. Celibacy is a gift. Um, you know, I, like I said, I see the wisdom of this because it would be impossible for me to have two wives. And I see that now. The very reason I didn't come to the priesthood for years is I wanted to be married. And now that I've been in the priesthood for years, I see how it is so wise of the church, so wise, because we can't be divided. It would be unfair to have a wife and a wife of the church, because then you're divided. And like Jesus Christ, the priest is married to the church, as you've heard me say, the church is the bride of Christ. And so we can't have this undivided heart when it comes to Christ. Yes, the unmarried man is all about Christ. And so, you know what celibacy means? People confuse celibacy with chastity. Celibacy means unmarried. That's what it means and differs from chastity, which means proper sexual activity. That's why married couples have to be chaste even though they're not celibate. And priests and religious have to be both celibate and chaste. And so these married couples, like I said, are not celibate, but they're all called to chastity. And the church considers clerical celibacy to only be a discipline, though, not a doctrine, unlike women's ordination. The church cannot change that only the man could be ordained because he's in the person of Christ. That's a matter of doctrine. Celibacy is not a matter of doctrine. It's a matter of discipline. The church can change her teaching on that. They can't allow priests to marry. And I always laugh. I said, sure, as soon as I get ordained, then the priest will be allowed to marry. Because once you're ordained, you can't, you can't be married. Even no matter what. Even if the church, if the church was to change a rule tomorrow, I cannot go get married. Because I'm already ordained. That's why in the East, in the Orthodox, you know what they call the fourth year of seminary? The, uh, the year to go find a wife. Because they can get married before they're ordained. That's in the Orthodox. Now... Unlike, um, it, it's very interesting because I, I don't believe, like I said, the priest should marry. Even 
Francis, Pope Francis commented on this, and he said that celibacy is a matter of discipline, not of faith, and it can change. And that's all the media reported. You know what he said right after that? For the moment, I am in favor of maintaining celibacy with all its pros and cons, because we have 10 centuries of good experiences rather than failures. Actually, we have 17 centuries. Um, tradition has weight and validity. And he said the rule must be strictly adhered to. And any priest who cannot obey it has to leave. I just heard that tragic story of that priest that met a girl at 16 years old. The day she turned 18, they went to Italy or somewhere, and got married. He was a priest. And so pray, pray. But anyway, there are exceptions. You might be saying to yourself, Father, well, I know a married priest. Yeah, there is exceptions. If you were an Anglican priest or Protestant clergy, already married, <clears throat> and then you become Catholic, you can stay married. Uh, Eastern Catholics, as I said, marry before ordination. Um, in both the East and West, bishops can never marry. You cannot have been married or get married as a bishop, either East or West. So that shows that there's a tradition there, because even the East recognizes that. And there is really no marriages anywhere after ordination. And so this is why the church does it. That's why a married man can be ordained a deacon. Okay, now he's clergy, but can a deacon remarry if his wife dies? No. No. Because he's now ordained clergy, even though not the priest. That's the whole thing about in persona. Uh, the life of the priest conforms to the celibacy of Christ, who wasn't married. That's in persona Christi. And so the theory is in, in early Christian practice, uh, married men who became priests were expected to live in complete Constance. They refrained permanently from sexual relations with their wives after they were ordained. People don't ever mention that. And so the Eastern Orthodox and the Eastern Catholic churches, as I said, now require their married clergy to abstain from sexual relations only for a limited period of time before celebrating the Eucharist. But it is there. You never hear about that. And then finally, the topic that I think Nobody wants to talk about, but it's a reality. The blaming of the church scandal on celibacy. All throughout the media, when the scandal broke, I would have to say that was the number one thing I read that the secular media was accusing, or I shouldn't say accuse, giving as the reason for the church scandal. And I'd like to address that because the claim was that celibacy makes pedophiles. And actually, if you look at the statistics, go to the John Jay report, the Jenkins study out of Penn State, it's very clear most pedophiles are married, a vast majority. And sadly, 4% um, of the population um, in this country is pedophile, 4%. That's shocking. Amongst priests, it's 1%. Now, even though it's four times less, I think it's way more shocking. We should never, ever have that at all. Zero. But if you listen to the media, it would tell you the other way around. 
that all priests, I mean, I've been told that to my face in airports, that all priests are pedophiles. No, no, 1%, that's still too many. But while the general population is 4%, four times more, that's too many. Pray these people get help. We pray for the victims and for them. But the, the, the thing is, it's, um, celibacy is not to blame. Celibacy is a gift. And this is what John the Baptist recognized. Um, do you know it's a preparation for heaven? Why? Because in heaven, there will be no marriage. Like I always say, some people are glad, some people are not. But even, even marriage on earth is ironically a preparation for heaven without marriage. Did you know that? This is very interesting. Even marriage on earth is ironically a preparation for heaven without marriage. Well, Father, how could that be? Let's go back to Paul. This is 1 Corinthians 7. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about things of the world, how he may please his wife. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Now, does that mean, Father, I'm married and I should have been a nun or I should have been a priest? No. The Lord's calling you to a particular vocation, single, married, or consecrated. All he's asking you is that you be the best that you can be. Give him and your spouse, if you're married, your heart. You know, we're going to make mistakes, we're going to fall, but you, you strive to be the best that you can be. And even if you did miss your calling, I always tell that story of the lady who was married with three children. She said she was meant to be a nun and that she was going to go to the convent. No. She said, Father, I know now that God called me to be a nun. Well, he meets you where you're at. You've now made the decision. You've now become a wife and a mother. You can't change that now. God meets you where you're at. So even if we did miss our call, God's not going to condemn you for it. God is going to say, okay, yes, I did call you to be a nun, but now be the best wife and mother that you can be. Same with the man. I did call you to be a priest, but be the best husband and father you can be. And so we should never fear that we don't understand God's calling. Go with your heart, talk to a spiritual director, follow the church. You know, John Paul II said the church as a spouse of Jesus Christ wishes to be loved by the priest in the total and exclusive manner in which Jesus Christ, her head and spouse loved her. And that's the beauty of marriage because marriage between the husband and the wife signifies that same love that Christ had for his spouse, the church. So you can't go wrong. You really can't make the wrong decision as long as you're asking God to guide you. And so in this beautiful connection of these three readings, let us understand the wisdom of our church in saying that her priests need to be chaste and celibate. If a priest isn't, it's not because the church didn't teach it. And so let us pray for our priests, 
all married, all single, and all consecrated religious. God bless you. Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org or search Keeping It Marian on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts in imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.